0: Morning, everyone, and uh, happy Easter
1: to you all, and uh, I have a few announcements just that I I need to make before we uh, commence the service. Um, It is with deep regret that I announce two deaths this morning, Mr. Jim Mahaffey and Mr. Walter Brown. Uh, Mr. Jim Mahaffey's funeral will take place on Wednesday at a quarter to two uh, from the church here. And Mr. Walter Brown's funeral will take place here on Thursday at 2 p.m. And uh, I just received word this morning as I came in the church that uh, George Wilson passed away during the night as well, and the funeral's still to be arranged for that. So our thoughts and prayers go out to both families, or all the families at this time just want to highlight some dates for you. Next Sunday is the family service uh, with Sam Shaw, who presents Bible stories by painting and, and general fun. Please bring your children along and uh, make it an out- outreach opportunity. Bring your neighbor's children along as well. They'll have a tremendous time. They'll thoroughly enjoy it. Next Sunday evening will be Life Lounge with uh, Waiting for Sophie, the band, leading us in worship at half past seven. And of course, please put in your diary the in-church weekend on Friday the 13th and Saturday the 14th of May. And uh, Barry and Tom, Tom will be interviewing Barry about what it's about. Uh, Basically, uh, we're looking for God to guide us in the church with regards to what is our vision, where do we want to be in five years' time, ten years' time, and uh, what can we do then to implement that. So that should be a tremendous weekend. Please put those dates in your diary. And uh, there'll be plenty of time to relax as well on that weekend. I just want to take a a moment to thank Rini. Um, and Brian for, for banners, these banners here. And Rini has, I don't know if you noticed during the week, there was a beautiful banner for Holy Week that was out in the vestibule. And she's got a new one up today, bright saying, He is risen. So please take a look at that when you go out. So Rini works away in the background, and your orders of service that you, you get every week, as Rini's doing those and uh, printing off, along with the admin team, I thank them as well for printing off the Easter magazine and so forth. So a lot being done in the background. Just want to take an opportunity uh, to thank those involved. Just a wee update on money that's been raised. At the Palm Sunday lunch, £930 was raised without the gift aid being added, and that's going to the work in Rwanda and Peru. Uh, Curtis, who shaved his head for Ukraine, he raised £505.50 without the gift aid being added. And for the Moderator's Appeal, which is to go towards Ukraine, uh, £3,113 were raised without gift aid being added. So I just want to read uh, from Matthew chapter 28 to start our service, uh, verses 1 to 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, And the other Mary went to look at the tomb, and there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, "'Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen.' Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Let's just pray a moment. Father, we want to celebrate this morning. Father, because of the resurrection of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Standing on death. Dealing with death. Dealing with our sin. And Lord, making a way for us to have a Saviour and a Heavenly Father forevermore. And we want to thank you for that. We want to praise you for that this morning. Lord, as we come to worship, may we reach out and kiss. That's the, the Greek term for worship. May we reach out and show our affection and gratitude and love for you. In all we say and do this morning, for the glory of Jesus Christ Amen. Amen. So I'm going to ask Calvin. Calvin uh, sang a couple of uh, songs for us on Friday night. I'm going to ask him to come and he's going to sing God Will Make a Way. And God indeed through Jesus Christ has made a way.
2: Hi everyone. Um, Our God, the God we serve is a God of a God that makes the impossible possible um i don't know your situation this morning and what you're going through but i know god will make a way through for you uh i just pray these words are a blessing to you and if you want to sing along the words are up on the screen help me out (laughs) thank you Oh, he
1: lovely. And I hope some of you take heart from that. Some of you have been going through difficult times, and I've said before to God, there are no obstacles, only opportunities. And if you're going through a difficult time, take those words to heart. God can make a way. God can make a way for you. Okay, we're going to sing Jesus Christ is Risen today, and I'm really pleased that Florence, it has improved. Her health has improved, and she's turned a corner. And she's with us this morning. She was with us on Friday night. And I asked her if she could, um, if she could choose a hymn. And this is the one she chose for this morning: Jesus Christ is risen today. <laughs> Okay boys and girls, I'm going to tell you this morning about uh, the best ever Sunday school class, the best ever Sunday school class, and it was on a Sunday and Jesus had died on the Friday and he had risen from the dead on the Sunday, but these guys, that I'm going to read to you about, these guys weren't convinced that it was a genuine resurrection at this time. They needed more proof. They needed more clarity on the situation. So let me read this to you this morning. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, "'What are you discussing together as you walk along?' They stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them, named Cleopas, asked him, "'Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days?' "'What things?' he asked. "'About Jesus of Nazareth?' They replied, "'He was a prophet, powerful in word, powerful in deed before God and all the people.' And the chief priests and our rulers, they handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe. All that the prophets have spoken, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them that what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took some bread and he gave thanks. He broke it and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us? while he walked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together and said, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Now boys and girls, I want to ask you, let me have a look here. Hold on with help if it switched it on. Here we go. What is the furthest you have ever walked? Let's go for anybody walked as far as one mile? Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Two miles? Three miles? Yes, Daisy, you have, have you? <laughs> Daisy's walked three miles. Anybody more? More than three miles? Oh, Brian us? How far, Brian? Don't know. Well, these guys, they were, had been up in Jerusalem when Jesus was crucified. On the Sunday then, they were about to head back to their village. Seven miles they had to walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. So they started walking, and Jesus was at a distance, but they didn't know it was Jesus. But Jesus noticed something about their stature and they were having a conversation, but they looked very down. What do you look like when you're happy? Yes, good smile. You look at smiling. What do you walk like when you're happy? Skip, you know, you're, you're skipping along. I've, you see the power walkers up the new road every morning. They're all, and they're real happy and powerful, you know, look a bit weird, I must admit, but they're, they're all happy, you know. But what do you look like when you're sad? Your face goes down. And you might go along, like if your mum tells you to clean your room, what do you like? You might go, mm, don't want to do that. Mm, and you're shuffling along. Well, these guys were walking to a mess and their faces were glum and they're, mm, dear goodness, dear goodness. And Jesus came along and Jesus then. Jesus spoke to them, but they didn't know it was Jesus. He says, what are you talking about? You look so distressed. You look so sad. What on earth are you talking about? And they said, haven't you heard? You must be the only person who hasn't heard that about what's happened this weekend in Jerusalem. There was a man there named Jesus, and we thought he was a prophet. And he was tremendous. He healed people. He did all sorts of things, and his teaching was fantastic. But then the chief priests hated him. And they took him. And they got Pilate to crucify him. But what's even more than that? He says some of our women went to the tomb this morning, and the tomb was empty. And they said they had a vision of the angels. But We're just not sure about it. We're just not sure. Because they looked sad. They didn't look happy at all. And Jesus, this is where the best Sunday school lesson ever came in. On that Sunday, Jesus starts to talk to them. And he starts to talk to them. goes right back in the Scriptures, right back to Moses. And he goes through the prophets. And he goes right through, and he says, do you not realize that in the Old Testament, every book points to the Messiah. Every book in the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ, to this Messiah. And don't you realize that this was prophesied, that the Messiah would have to die, and, but then he'd be raised from the dead? And they were amazed. They'd never heard teaching like this ever So when they arrived at Emmaus, they were a wee bit happier and they went in and uh, got to their house and they said to Jesus, come on in, it's getting really late, the sun's going down, come on in, stay with us, don't be going out in the dark this night. And Jesus said, said, well, all right, I'll come in. And they sat down and they chatted and they had a, started to have a meal. And as Jesus took the bread, now we don't know, maybe it was a way that Jesus used to bless the bread that they recognized, or just God opened their eyes and suddenly they recognized that it was Jesus. And Jesus then went. Now, they, What do you think they were, do you think they were excited? Do you think they were excited when they recognized Jesus their best friend ever, and he was alive. This is amazing. They realized. What what did seeing Jesus confirm for the disciples? He's risen. He's risen. So, they didn't walk back to Jerusalem. They, They got out of the house. They didn't even do the dishes after the meal. They ran the whole way back to Jerusalem. That's 14 miles So they arrive a bit puffed out. They've just done 14 miles altogether. And they get into the house where all the disciples are sitting. And they come in and say, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. Jesus had a meal with us. We have seen him. He's risen. He's risen from the dead. And the disciples go, tell us something we don't know. He's come here as well. He's risen. And Jesus went around and met with 500 people before he went home to his father. Now, something that could tell you the wee story would be a bit better than me, okay? I'm going to have a little animation that I'll show you in two minutes what I've been trying to tell you.
3: On the day Jesus rose from the dead, two of his disciples were walking to a village called Emmaus. Along the way, they met a traveler. The traveler noticed the disciples looked sad, so he asked them What was wrong? They told the traveler about how their friend, Jesus, had been killed just a few days earlier. And now, some people had told them that Jesus' body was missing, and that angels had said that Jesus was alive. The two disciples didn't know what to do. They had lost all hope after Jesus' death, and couldn't believe that he had come back to life. The traveler listened to their painful story. Then he shared a story with them. He explained everything the Old Testament of the Bible said about Jesus. His pain and death weren't a surprise. Moses and the prophets had all written that Jesus would suffer and then enter God's glory. As the traveler spoke, the disciples felt something strange. The more they listened, the more their hearts burned within them. Eventually, The three men reached a village. The disciples asked the traveler to stay with them for the evening, so he went in with them. When they sat down at the table to eat, the traveler took some bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to the two disciples. In that moment, the disciples' eyes were opened. The traveler was Jesus. He had been with them all along. As soon as they recognized him, He disappeared from their sight. The disciples were amazed. Jesus was alive. Their sadness was gone, and they had hope. They had to tell everyone the good news. Jesus met the disciples where they were. He understood their suffering because He suffered too. He listened to them, walked with them, and helped them have hope again. No matter what hard times we're going through, we can trust that Jesus is with us too. He listens to our prayers, walks alongside us, and speaks love and truth to us. By listening to him, he'll heal us and give us back hope and joy.
1: Boys and girls, and mums and dads, and grannies and grannas, and all of you, I want you to remember this, that Jesus loves you more than anyone ever has or ever will and he's there for you uh, through the tough times and through the good times. He's, he's only a prayer away. Okay, so we're going to sing about his love. We're going to sing, Here is va- Love, Vast as the Ocean. And after this... Um, the boys and girls can go out to, to Sunday Club. Out the back there, if you're a visitor and you have children, you're very, very welcome. Out the back, someone will meet you just in the vestibule and show you where to go. If you have a wee baby, you can go to the creche. There'll be somebody in the creche, and there's a television there that you'll be able to watch the rest of the, uh, the service there also. But let's stand. Here is Love Vast as the Ocean. Let's pray a moment. Um, We'll allow the wee children to go out first. We'll see you later. Okay, see you later. Just while they're going out, uh, we'll not be having a wee cup of tea afterwards. We're assuming that folk will be heading back for their Sunday turkeys, their Sunday lunches and stuff. So uh, it's not on today, but it will be on again uh, next week. It's great to see so many young people. It's it's tremendous to see so many young people going out there. Does your heart good, doesn't it? Um, Right, we're going to pray. Let's pray. We want to pray for... uh, those that are going through difficult times at the moment. Father, we, we think of Ukraine. Uh, we think, Father, of those people who are going through an awful time, Father, who have lost loved ones, who are uh, just horrific times, Lord, horrific times. And, Lord, we thank you that you have on the ground people from St. Martin's Purse and people from... Uh, tear fund and people from open doors and people from Christian in need, Christian need and Lord we, we just pray Father for all those groups those people that are there um, that Father that you might bring the love of Jesus through them that you might bring the hope of Jesus through them that Father although it's terrible what they're going through now we pray that you would give them hope and bring them something more positive, Lord, in their lives. That God, out of this terrible situation, that you would bring blessing and life. Lord, we pray, Father, for folk in our own congregation. And it's good to see folk who are coming on with their health, Lord. And we just thank you for that. And, but we want to pray for those who would love to be here this morning, but just feel vulnerable or uh, to COVID perhaps, or, or feel just, just not well enough to come out. We pray, God, that you would be with them. Lord, your strength would be in them, that God, as they watch the service this morning, that they might be uplifted. And Lord, that your grace, which you tell is us that is sufficient for us, God, would be sufficient for them. Lord, we pray, put your arms around them, and Lord, give them a hug. Lord, give them a, 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 an embrace, God, that you are close by their side. And Lord, that you will make a way in Jesus' name. We ask all of these things. Amen. Um, we're going to have what I call contemplative worship. We all sit and relax and you listen to a song. I, as you know, Maureen hasn't been well. She's been through, Maureen Greer's been through quite a hard time. Uh, but she wants to share one of her favourite songs with you. And uh, she's got a few wee words to say to you on this video before we listen to it. Okay.
4: Through my life and, uh, in all different situations, you know, God has always given me song. And
0: in Isaiah,
4: which some people know is my favourite book, It says, surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. And so it was the same this time. Six months ago, I ended up in hospital with a perforated bile. And I was in agony. And I was crying out to God, you know, continually. Until one night, I really cried out and said I just can't take any more I really really need your help and he brought into my mind this song it's called Dancing on the Waves and I could only remember of course so I looked up on the phone and I got the words and you know the words really blew me away and I'm just going to i am just read a few of them to you now I'm standing at your door you're weary from it all, I'm reaching out. I dare you to believe how much I love you now, don't be afraid, I am your strength. This is my song for you, your healing has begun, and we'll be dancing, walking on the water, dancing on the waves. When I first heard this song, and um, somebody's waiting for Sophie at Life Lounge. And the first time I heard it, I thought, oh, wow, isn't that lovely? And it's just a beautiful picture of of joy, really, dancing on the waves. But this time it was different because my waves were waves of pain. But yet the, the promise was he was going to dance with me through this pain. And
0: that's what he did. He didn't take the pain away right away. Um, But he did help me through. Thank you, Maureen, for sharing
1: that with us. I'm going to read now from John chapter 20. John 20, verses 19 to 29. John 20, verses 19 to 29. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews... Jesus came and stood among them and said, "'Peace be with you.' After he had said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, "'Peace be with you.' As the Father has sent me, I am sending you." And with that, he breathed on them and said, "'Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven.'" Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. I'm going to ask Calvin to come and he's going to sing
0: for us, I'll Never Let Go of Your Hand. Sometimes there can be a, a mountain in front of us and we can't
2: see no way over it, no way around it. But uh, we we'll have the promise that God says He will never leave us nor forsake us. And this song is special to me in my life. There's been so many things have been through in my life that. I know God's brought me through it, and I hope He brings you free whatever you're facing this morning. That's called, I'll never let go of your hand. I know what you've been hearing, I've seen you hide your fears. Embarrassed by your weaknesses Afraid to let me near I wish you knew how much I longed For you to understand No matter what may happen child I'll never let go of your hand I'll never let go of your hand I know you've been forsaken by all you've known before. When you fail their expectations, they frown and close the door. And even though your heart itself should lose the will to stand, I'll never, no never, I'll never let go of your hand For this life that I have given you No one can take away Cause I've sealed it with my spirit, blood and word. The everlasting Father has made his covenant with you and stronger than the world you've seen and heard. So don't you fear to show them all the love I have for you. And I'll be with you everywhere in everything that you do. And even when you do it wrong and miss the joy I've planned, I'll never, no never, I'll never let go of your hand I'll never let go of your hand I'll never let go of your hand No, I'll never let go of your hand. This life that I have given you, oh, no one can take away. Because I've sealed it with my spirit, blood, and word. The everlasting Father has made his covenant with you. And he's stronger than this world you've seen and heard. So don't you fear to show them all the love that I have for you. And I'll be with you everywhere and everything that you do. And even when you do it wrong, And miss the joy I've planned I'll never, no never I'll never let go of your hand No, I'll never let go of your hand Amen
1: Thank you, Calvin
0: Let's pray a minute God, thank you for sending Jesus, and thank you, Jesus, that you came. The Holy Spirit, won't you teach us more about his lovely name?
1: Amen. There's a comic strip of Charlie Brown and Lucy where Charlie Brown says to Lucy, I got straight A's. Isn't that great? And Lucy turns and looks at him and says, I don't believe you, Charlie Brown. Unless I see those straight A's on your report card for myself, I can't believe you. You see, there are some things which don't fit what we know. As far as Thomas is concerned, people don't rise from the dead. Christ's resurrection doesn't fit with what he knows. Psalm 22 is a powerful psalm written almost a thousand years before Christ. It graphically depicts the crucifixion, the descriptions of the horror of the cross. They're easily recognizable. Christ's disjointed body, his thirst, his failing heart, his pierced hands and feet, his humiliation. And those heart-wrenching words he spoke which began the psalm my god my god why have you forsaken me the accuracy in psalm 22 it's absolutely amazing and even more so when you realize that the romans did not invent the death by crucifixion until 300 years after the psalm had been written the prophetic insight in the psalm it may excite us because we recognize how God had been preparing for the cross so many years before. But the women who sit breaking their hearts at the foot of the cross aren't thinking of Psalm 22. And the disciples who are in bits that day, they're not thinking about Psalm 22. The grief runs deep within them and their minds go dark The dead death. It's more painful than any death that they have ever experienced, any grief that they've ever experienced, because not only had they lost the death, not only had they lost a friend, but also the death of hope had come. Their hope had died. Different people grieve in different ways. Many find it helpful to have lots of people around them when someone passes away. And uh, some people, though, like to just keep busy, like to work and keep busy. But some people like time out. Some people like to be on their own. They like to think things through. They like to get their head around what's happened. They like to be alone. Perhaps Thomas is one of those people He's not with the others when Jesus appears. Perhaps he's deliberately absent because he needs time to just grieve, to get on his own and think through what's happened. I want you this morning to feel the weight of despair which the disciples feel when they waken up on that Saturday morning, that you also might come out of that despair and experience the fullness of the joy when they find out
0: that he's risen from the dead. But Friday, they'd seen their master
1: and their friend bleeding from his head, bleeding from his feet, being taken down off the cross and laid out in a tomb, absolutely heart wrenching, absolutely devastating. they hoped that all that Jesus had said, they'd hoped that it was true. They were convinced it was true. Some of them left their wives and families to follow him. But now it was all over. Now it was finished. Their hopes and their dreams lay in pieces, shattered on the floor Many questions, I'm sure, were running through their heads, questions like, well, what now? What do we do now? Where do we go now? Where did we go wrong? Did we misunderstand him, the stuff that he told us about? Or was it just wishful thinking on our part that he was the Messiah, that he was the Christ? Jesus Christ was now dead, and their hope died with him. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, he writes, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Christianity is the only religion where everything depends on one person, namely Jesus Christ. Did he rise or not? And Paul points out in 1 Corinthians 15 that resurrection is the hinge on which everything else depends. Take away the resurrection of Jesus and our faith completely falls apart. If Christ has not been raised, says Paul, then our preaching's in vain, your faith's in vain, our sins are not dealt with, there is no afterlife. If our hope extends no further than this life, says Paul, then we are to be most pitied. Our faith is no more than a psychological crutch. What a dark place to be on that Saturday morning. And I suspect this is the point where the disciples' hearts had sunk to. Not perhaps putting those words, but without a Messiah, without Christ, what do we do now? It's back to reality, boys. It's back to fishing. It's back to collecting taxes. On the Thursday, life was full of meaning for them, boys. But by salary, the meaning of life had suddenly dropped out of their world. Jesus is
0: dead, and our hope has died with him. I want you to stop for a moment and realize that this is the world today of the unbeliever.
1: It's a world without hope. It's a world without meaning. Many don't want to talk about the reality of death. They'd rather ignore it. They'd like to pretend it's never going to happen to them. Others will try to avoid death by striving to keep their bodies fit and healthy, which is a good thing. It's good to keep your body fit and healthy. But they feel, I need to preserve my life. Because it's all I've got. Once it's over, that's it. So I need to preserve it as long as I can. People try to deal with death in different ways, and it's difficult. But no matter how you try to deal with it, death is still there at the end of the road. You're on a conveyor belt, in a sense, and it doesn't matter how many ways you try to slow that conveyor belt down, death is still at the end of the road, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. And the only way to change that is if someone somehow
0: comes along and defeats death once and for all. But I wonder, is that just wishful thinking? How could that ever possibly happen?
1: Well, when Thomas does meet the other disciples, they tell him that Jesus is risen. And they say they've seen him but to Thomas's logical mind, this just is not possible. He says, unless I see the nail prints in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were in his hands and in his feet and put my hand into his side where the spear went, I'll not believe it. And Thomas isn't alone in this. There are many people who have problems in believing in the physical resurrection of Jesus some Christians as well. Why? Because we live, in a physical, we live in a physical world, and the physical world is subject to physical laws, and one of those physical laws that we do says, dead men don't rise.
0: Dead men don't rise. It's a physical reality. Dead men don't rise. A
1: man's heart may stop beating for a minute, perhaps, and then he's resuscitated. But Jesus died as a consequence of one of the cruelest forms of death man has ever seen. And just to make sure he was dead, a Roman guard put a spear in the side and water gushed out and blood gushed out. And they took his body down totally limpless and lifeless and laid it out in a tomb. There was
0: absolutely no doubt He was dead. So, what's the
1: possibility of that body ever entertaining life again? But we're told that on the Sunday morning, when the woman went to the tomb, the stone was rolled away, and the news headlines are He's Risen. In the Jerusalem Times, the main headline is Jesus is Risen. Now, that's what you could call an assault on logic. This defies physical law. How can that happen? Perhaps you yourself struggle with this at times. Perhaps you pray, and you pray for faith to believe. But that's nothing to be ashamed of. I think if we're honest, we'll admit that we all, from time to time, struggle with doubt I know how I have. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. It's important not to mistake doubt with unbelief. Doubt is not the same as unbelief. Doubt does not have to be a bad thing if it leads to you finding out the truth for yourself. Poor Thomas. I always feel sorry for Thomas. He's going down in history as a doubter. You know, when we think of a doubter, we tend to think of Thomas But don't you forget that God used Thomas to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ and spread it through India, this doubting Thomas. But for now, where Thomas is at this moment, resurrection for Thomas isn't possible. It's not possible. He can't accept it. It defies physical laws.
0: But Thomas... What if there are other realities beyond the natural?
1: Thomas, what if this world is a creation of an intelligent God who made laws to cause our universe to function predictably, to function well? But because God created them, he has the prerogative to alter them, to change them when he needs to, when it serves his purposes. In other words, is there a natural order? If there's a natural order, why can't there also be a supernatural order where the God who created those natural laws intervenes and temporarily alters the natural order of things for his purpose and for his glory? And Thomas,
0: this is exactly what happened to Jesus he's been in the
1: tomb one day dead the second day but then on the third day God intervenes into the natural order of things
0: and raises his son from the dead verse 26 we're told that a, a week later
1: the disciples are in the house again this time Thomas is there And all the doors are locked. And Thomas is about to receive the shock of his life and a lesson of faith that he'll never forget. Jesus comes, stands among them. Peace be with you. If it had been me, I'd have been, whoa. (laughs) I'd
0: have been, give me a glass of water, quick. Jesus turns to Thomas and says, Thomas,
1: put your finger here in my hands. Feel that. You feel that? Where the nails were? He says, put your, put, your finger, put your hand there. It's such a gash, Thomas. It's such a gash you can put your whole hand in. Feel it there.
0: Feel, feel. He says, Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas replies, My Lord and my God.
1: Thomas recognizes there and then that because of his resurrection, this is a God
0: thing. His status must be God. Death had indeed been
1: swallowed up in victory and Christ's resurrection was just the first fruits of resurrection power. The first fruits of a harvest was still to come. The first fruits were the believer's those who trust in Christ, will be raised to be with him.
0: Thomas declares, my Lord and my God. You know, this is where John, the apostle, wanted to stop writing
1: his gospel. I know there's 21 chapters, but it's thought that the 21st chapter was written by John a good while later. Because at the end of chapter 20, it looks like he's making a conclusion. So it looks like this is where John wanted to stop his gospel. It's a bit like a clock. Clock hands moving from midnight to midday. The hands start together at 12. They take their time moving their separate way around the clock face. Finally, they come back together again where they were before. It's the same time. As it was when we started, yet it's half a day later. And that feeling of coming around the circle and ending up where we started is what John intends us to have in his book. He starts with in the beginning in chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, who is namely Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he finishes in chapter 20 of his gospel with Thomas' declaration, My Lord and my God. And in between, of course, there are all those interactions that Jesus has with many people in life, Nicodemus, healing the blind man, healing the leper, feeding the 5,000. His family, his disciples, hundreds of people touching him, the paralyzed man, all sorts of interactions, all sorts of events and experiences that Jesus has from the beginning of John's gospel to the end of John's gospel. And John then concludes saying, Jesus performed, you know, Jesus did actually a lot more than what I'm telling you. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in his book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And when we put our trust in Christ, and we turn from our sin and turn to God, it's called repentance. When we turn from our sin and we turn to Christ and say, Lord, I give you my life, forgive my sin. I believe in what you did
0: at Calvary for me, that that was punishment in my place. Cleanse me. Be my Lord, be my Savior.
1: And John tells us, this is why I've written the book. This is why I've written my gospel, that you might believe and have life. And that when your life is finished here, that you go to be with Christ.
0: That you go to be with him for all eternity. That's why I write this gospel
1: But from that now till then, you'll have Christ right beside you. In front of you, beside you, behind you, within you. You'll have Christ with you always, even in death. Either way, walk through the valley of the shadow. What's the shadow? Well, Christ is the light in that death situation. He's the one that casts the shadow. Even in death, he'll be with you. And I just want to challenge you, if you have not trusted Christ, and you have put it off and you think, "I'll leave it till I'm older, I'll leave it till I'm a bit later, I'll have a bit of fun now, and I, you know you're thinking you're having fun. But there's no meaning in it.
0: Fun and meaning in life is knowing Christ. Don't put it off. Do it today. And I'm happy to stay behind here
1: to six o'clock tonight. If you want to do it, I'll lead you to Christ because it's the best person. He is the one that you should not go through this life not knowing. And he certainly, you shouldn't face death without him. Christ is risen. It's tremendous. Death has been swallowed up in victory. In Christ's victory. Christ is now, our death is now under Christ's foot, feet. He stood on it, he's, he's lent on it, it's done. He's sovereign over it. I'm just going to finish with something. Um, I'm going to introduce you to some, to some witnesses of resurrection this morning. I couldn't get the disciples, they were busy. <laughs> but I've got something else. I've got other witnesses. Of resurrection. I've got a whole bunch of witnesses here, a whole bunch of witnesses. Every flower that you see has come from a seed, every plant that you see has come from a seed. Every tree, no matter how big and massive they are, has come originally from a seed. Every field of wheat come from seed. A seed that's had to go into the ground and that's had to die
0: first before life is formed. And Jesus Died that we might have life, and that we might have life with Him.
1: Look around you. If you're out for a walk this Easter afternoon, look around you. The earth is filled with God's witnesses of resurrection. Death in a seed, life formed. Christ died that He might rise from the dead and that he's just the first fruits of resurrection if you trust in him you're part of a whole bunch of believers a whole harvest a greater plan of God which is yet to come let's pray Father we thank you for your son the Lord Jesus Christ we say hallelujah this morning Lord I feel like I'm a Pentecostal Presbyterian Father we praise you that you have sent your Son, that he came and he didn't quit, but he went right to the cross and then he stood on death by his very resurrection and offers us life in him, life in him, life through him, his presence with us now and into eternity. Lord, what a story it is. It's the best story ever. And it's true. And we thank you for it. Lord, put it in our heads, transport it into our hearts, and make it walk in our feet, in our everyday lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to finish with um, Cornerstone. Christ is our Cornerstone. And a few weeks' time, we're going to be looking at what it is that weekend, that in-church weekend. What do we want our church to be? Where What is God saying to us about what he wants us to be? And we're told in the song that Christ is the cornerstone. He's the one that holds it all together. So please come to that. And please pray from now till that day that God would reveal to us who we are to be as his people. Let's stand and worship. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.
0: Have a lovely Easter, folks.